Hey gang, Josh here, po'boy of note. Quick heads up, we do end up kind of having a discussion this episode that assumes that you've watched Star Wars Rebels and the rest of Star Wars Clone Wars. There's not any huge spoilers, but we say some stuff here and there and I don't feel right now letting you know, so now you know. Tano Boys! With the Po'boys. I have so much to talk about and all of it is good and important. Tunnel! All right. I have so much to talk about. What? First off, breaking news. If this was going straight to air, Pete, I just found something out. I don't even know if you know this yet. No, 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 no. What? 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 An hour and a half ago. Uh, Bobiger is stepping down. What? Yeah, and Pete is of course kidding. We already knew we, this. Yeah, we already um, knew this. We he, are... he asked our advice, uh, or he invited us over into the auspices of asking for our advice. Uh, you'll see um, Bob Chapik is replacing um, Bob Aguirre. Yep. Uh, that was, of course, at our recommendation. His first choice, uh, I think, would come as no surprise, was well, the voice. Here's the here's thing about it, though, with Bob Aguirre. Um, mm-hmm. Stepping down, he asked us for lists, and you know we gave after him, we obviously um, we gave him ourselves. a list of diverse diversity hires. We gave him a list of um, <laughs> younger candidates that are mm-hmm. going to be in it for the long run. We gave him some dark horses, and then mm-hmm. he we thought this was a joke. He just asked for people whose names were also Bob. Right. Right, and, um, and he, I of course immediately recommended Bob Balaban. Uh, yeah, and but Bob Balaban, I think, is eyeing retirement. He only works with Wes Anderson now. Yeah, so. and um, Bob, he he wasn't up for the task, um, mm-hmm. but he, you know, we had a, we had a variety of Bobs to give to him. Yeah, this guy I'm at the gym with, were... name's Big Bob. I recommended him, but yeah. And Billy Bob, um, but he he didn't have the the quite skill set mm-hmm. for for it. But um, yeah, he went with this Bob, which was kind of surprising given the. Um, yeah, I mean, we included him on our list, but we really never thought anything would come of it. Yeah. Um, we of course know Bob Chappie from um, Chess Club, and I know what you're thinking. You're so so swole, and you're so so smart. You're also good at chess. First off, yes, but it's also uh-huh. noble. We are. We're the teachers of, of Chess Club. We're the club leaders. Um, we teach um, intellectually well, underprivileged CEO candidates um, how to play he, chess and how chess mirrors microaggressions in the world of business. And it's also not the chess that you're imagining of two people at a table doing it rapidly. What actually right. it is is... Each of the chess pieces are people that work at the company. They're dressed up as those chess pieces, and the CEOs have to learn about their life and then physically carry them to the spot on the board that right. they want to be on, so right. that they get and, to know and have each... to convince them also. Yeah, they like have physically to sell, and emotionally. They carry have to them. sell themselves and they have to sell the brand. Right. My name is. Bob Chappie, I see you are dressed as a pawn. Tell me about your relationship with your father. What would you think about going um, one step forward here? Please. And and if they say they no, it's not happening. To, they also have to make sure that 
there's synergy, but then you also have to be in the corporate mold too. So when a piece that's a knight wants to, you know, go diagonal, you have to say, listen, I hear you, I feel you, but mm -hmm. this company has a specific model and we have to go in this direction. Are you with right. me? Right. And then a lot of times people like Bob Chappie, people like Bob Balaban, they'll be very frustrated. They'll say, what does this have to do with being CEO? I'm Bob Balaban. I don't even want to be CEO. I only work with Wes Anderson. And we'll say, look, and flick them right between the eyes. Look, dummy. Look, dummy. Look here. See how you do this thing where you move mm -hmm. the rook and you oh. move the king like that? Yeah. You see this? Think about that. And now think about a board meeting. Get it? Um, so Bob Chappie, friend of, uh, well, pupil of the show. Um, uh, proud of him. Uh, again, yes, it would be so nice if the Po' Boys were in charge of Disney and then Disney could fall under the Po' Boys LLC. And that was sort of what they were gunning for, but we like to keep our brand pure. And so, Bob Chappy segment for Bob Iger. Second on the agenda, we have so much to talk about. All of it is so important and interesting. About. So much to talk about. We're talking about Clone Wars, but look, uh, I guess some big dumb news story that we broke months ago, hello, on our pod, finally broke late last night at a weirdo press conference that they waited until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is actually one of the few Tano Boy episodes where we're providing, like, salient information. Yeah! That is within kind the of. Time. Yeah, like, this came out Tuesday. I mean, this information is only days old. February 25th. Famously, our podcast is always on Thursdays, so this mm -hmm. episode is February Famously. 27th. But Josh, hit him with the deets. So, as we reported, Project Luminous, this big fancy thing. They said, oh, it's Project Luminous. Oh, it's Marvel and Del Rey and Publishing and Tarsol and Claudia Gray and Dan Jose Older and, and, and uh, names. I'm sorry, I'm Justina Ireland and Kevin Scott are involved in this thing and ooh, isn't a secret and we announced it back in april and isn't a secret and spooky um well, i guess it's probably just like books or whatever we of course um found out what it was and we held on to that information and then we were given the exclusive to announce it months yeah, we... ago on our episode i believe the episode was titled project luminous that it is of course um, an animated show and a series of stories around uh anthropomorphic lightsabers um, one, one's a little nerd, one's a little jock. They're lightsabers, they talk, they have faces. And then finally they announced that, oh, mm -hmm. you know, Project Luminous. And then they're also like, oh, by the way, it happens 200 years ago. And they're like, oh my god, oh my god, High Republic! Not a very interesting detail. We could have told you that back then. The yeah. most interesting part is all the lightsabers. And everybody's like, oh, you said it was about all these lightsabers. That's hot. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the pictures, and it looks like there's lightsabers in those pictures. I don't know what else you're seeing there. Pictures, they're somebody pictures of to, lightsabers. Somebody has, to, somebody has to carry the lightsabers. Right. Um, and everybody's like, oh, oh, High Republic, High Republic. Quite frankly, I think the reason everybody's so excited about the High Republic is something you do with 420, and I don't appreciate it. And they need to get their mind out of the gutter. Anyway, yeah. uh, series of books. I want to talk about this, but I don't want to talk about it too much because we're on the clock because Pete is on wireless headphones. Uh, and we have a lot of Clone Wars to talk about, and I'm very excited to talk about that. But, yeah, publishing initiative set in the High Republic, 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Um, books and comics that 
theoretically should be unhinged from the rest of the saga, and so they don't have to tiptoe around interesting things like, um, I don't know. In, in my opinion, that is sometimes what I feel like is happening when I read um, or listen to audiobooks of some of the, the books. Again, as I always say, I understand that that is You're awesome storytelling. Boy. People yeah. will like it. It's not for me. It's not for me. And a big part of the reason it's not for me is it does feel like nothing monumental happens, which is fair, again. Um, but it seems like the idea with this is that, you know, there is there's less lore to answer to for these creators, since they can tell really big stories and big, huge things can happen with galactic ramifications, and well, it doesn't affect whether or not Luke Skywalker Josh, has a blue lightsaber. Did you watch the... Um, the trailer for the books? Yeah, the trailer for the books. Let me tell you, I really wanted to come in with a bit where we did... Um, Po'boy Theater? Po'boy Theater for the books. And I just went, it's a book. It's a book. Oh, look, it's a whiteboard. It's a book. Look yes, I did, I did book. watch the trailer. Look at the Four-minute trailer. Look at the books. Blake Slate. It does remind me a little bit of, not that I remember, but I've read about it in hindsight. In the mid-90s, I think just before the re-releases, they did Shadows of the Empire, which was a novel and a video game set between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I guess the idea was to sort of gauge what kind of interest for Star Wars there still was out there. It was, uh, yeah, video game, book, um, action figures, comics, and they even did um, a soundtrack for it. It wasn't a movie, but they did a soundtrack for it. And it um, there's this big initiative. And it's, so, it's sort of big. We reminds me of that. Obviously, again, not connected to the movie, so a little freer to move around. I will say it's the most interested I've been in reading... Um, Star Wars pros in a while. Now, ha have you looked at the Po' Boys Twitter at all? No. Okay. Because I there's one picture that I think looks like um, my favorite Jedi from the Legends, which is Zaba Sabatian. Oh. Okay. And um, for those um, people that never read Legends, which is fine, um, there's this pr um, basically. Um, reptile Jedi, and oh, nice. um, she—it's like the species of people that like happens to have like seven or eight of them are part of Luke's new Jedi order, and she mm -hmm. is Leia's master. So Leia in the Legends doesn't immediately Legends. become a Jedi, becomes a Jedi <clears throat> like in her forties or fifties when she's like, yeah, I guess I'll become a Jedi after my kids become Jedi. And Interesting. I'm she, looking at the picture now. She, um, yeah, so this really cool reptile Jedi, I think becomes like the Grand Master of the Jedi Order at, at one point. Um, super cool in a couple of the book series. Um, I read one of them, which is the like Yuzon Vong, which are like the like organic evil doers against like the. Um, galaxy of like people that use technology and stuff. Yeah, they're like extra galactic weirdo body modification immune to the force they, monsters. They, they took like the Borg from Star Trek and were like, yeah. What if the yeah. Borg were not robots and were instead yeah. organics? And what if we made a villain for these books that we would hopefully never ever ever do in live action because it would horrify small children? Yeah, and so. I read, I think there's probably like 25 of them. I probably read like honestly 16, 17 of them. And she 
is Saba Sabatine is like one of my favorite Jedi from that wow. whole series. That rules. Yeah. So um, as soon as I was looking at the, and for me, um, Poe heads, Tano heads, I just love the Jedi. It's my favorite part of the whole thing. So like for me, I was like, oh, <laughs> lightsaber quota met. <laughs> lightsaber quota. Met and then at one point in the video they're like, oh by the way we have new villains and bounty hunters. I'm like, cool, cool. Do not care. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna explain all these Jedi and I'm gonna see cool new Jedi. Um, yeah. Very very excited. I yeah, feel like I I think I might actually read the first book. The that's the Charles Charles Soule one. Yeah, I okay. enjoy Charles Soule's work in comics. Um, I've met him a few times at conventions. He's a very nice guy. I read his first novel, um, which I am forgetting the name of, which is pretty cool of me. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably read that first one, which would be the first time I've actually read Oracle Year. This first novel is called Oracle Year. The first time I've, I think I've actually read a Star Wars book in a new continuity. I listened to a few audiobooks, but... Other than art of books and visual dictionaries and stuff, um, I have not actually read any of the Star Wars novels since Legends. Yeah, it'll definitely. In fact, be... even in Legends, I didn't read a novel; I read short stories. So, look out. So, part of the Po Boys Network, we have Po Boy Theater, where we act out various um, parts of Po Boy uh, Star Wars media, and then we have a Book Boys series where we cover, we do a book review. And it looks like we're gearing to have a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah it could be. Yeah, I'm not a big, like, young adult reader, because I'm 30, but... <laughs> oh, you know what? I take it back. Yeah, I did read a... I read... The Ahsoka book was sort of young adult, I think. And I read yeah. the Bayes, Malvis, and Jared Emway book. So I, that's... Oh, really? I, I never, I I never actually, caught that one. I have actually read two, two Star Wars books. I... Now, I would imagine they're probably going to go to Jetta at some point. That would be cool. And uh, explain that a little bit more. Now, were there any of the Jedi that caught you, uh, caught your attention? So, um, StarWars.com released an article about Project Luminous, and there's at least, like, 20 or 30 new Jedi. Huh. Um... No, <laughs> I I only watch I only watched the trailer I only okay. watched the trailer and I watched that on my phone and I didn't really internalize too many of the images. Um, I mean I saw there's a Wookiee Jedi that's pretty cool. It looks like we got a got a uh, whatever yeah. the figure and Dan and the modal nodes. Oh, a um... guy a bib something. I want to say. Oh, Bith, right? Bith, yeah, I, I was yeah. going to say Bib Fortuna. I'm like, that's not right. Got a Bith Jedi. That could be interesting. Got a, um, a Utapown Jedi. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think I will actually read this first book. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll, defi I'll, I'll definitely probably check out the comic. So that comes um, out in August. August 25th, right before Star Wars Celebration. So, so I'll have something to read in line. And there will inevitably be a cool exclusive um variant cover well that'll also be something uh, that we'll have to read be to because people are just going to spoil it mm -hmm. although i guess people don't really talk about huge spoilers at celebration because so many things are going on yeah. you know you have the ability to kind of like tune out 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I, yeah, I bring my headphones anyway. So, yeah, it shouldn't be too big an issue. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, the, the most inclined I've been to read Star Wars Pros in a long time. I think I will buy that first book. It'd be cool if it gripped me. It would be cool if it doesn't. I mean, I'm reading The Stand right now, so I'll probably finish that five minutes before I die. That's hilarious. But in the meantime, um, I'll probably check that out at some point. Uh, one last thing um, before we, we do Clone Wars. Um, chances that High Republic is one of the new um, live-action trilogies. Uh, now that they're doing books, I would say, like, zero. Now we're talking about Clone Wars! <laughs> Look, freaking Clone Wars is back on. Clone Wars is back. I dishing out that my parents' basement. Fat, fat checks for that fat, fat animation. I sat in my parents' basement, and their new puppy was going haywire, and it was the least ideal conditions. Huh? The puppy was going crazy for Clone Wars. Uh, was going crazy for just being alive. Um, <laughs> I so that. it was, it, it brought me back to, uh, you know, how the, the less than ideal conditions I watched Clone Wars on when it aired. But let me tell you, when I scrolled on to Disney Plus and I saw a new screenshot, a new episode, a new description, going into this, I gotta be real, um, I was obviously, obviously very excited. I had two reservations, one of which I was, I felt a little bummed that Bad Batch was going to be one of the arcs. I have never seen the story animatics, but I know they're out there. I know they've been screened. I know this story has been told in a rudimentary fashion. And so part of me was like, mm, I wish we'd get like new stuff. Um, and the second reservation was, I was concerned that because I do love Clone Wars so much, mm -hmm. and it has been so long, that there was no way the episode would live up to what I remember of the highs of Clone Wars. Both wrong. This ruled. Oh, it was really good. It freaking ruled. It was, and it. Oh. The the thing too is like you think Fuck. that they're gonna phone it in, and not like they're just gonna be like, let's just give them season six, let's finish the story. But they up their game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the animation was incredible. The that first shot swooping down onto the landing platform really just felt like a hug. It just felt like a welcome back. Look at all this. Remember this? Look at this. Welcome back, Josh. Oh, oh, it was so good. Um, D. Bradley Baker, the guy who voices the clones. What a freaking powerhouse. You know, he also voices Trench and, like, a droid or two in there. Like, he's most of the voices in that episode. I would hope and that the Park. agent that's working his contract mm -hmm. does it percentage of voice-wise so that he's getting more than, like, say... You know the um, Latner, 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 that does Anakin. Yeah, Matt Latner. Matt Latner. Not that I'm, you know, trying to disparage Matt Latner, but just the sheer amount of effort and time and talent that that guy has put into this project, it shows. For sure, for sure, and I mean, yeah, I mean, he's doing the same voice theoretically. I mean, it's the same person, more like all these clones, but it, I mean, it never. It never feels that way. I don't know. I'm never thinking who's talking. I, and it just it flows so well, and the the characterization he's able to give these characters, particularly Rex, who's at a very raw spot in his life right now. Fantastic. Um, just going with these thoughts as they come. 
I weirdly, without giving anything away to people who haven't seen all of Star Wars Animation or whatever, we have some idea of where Rex's future goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, well, I guess just we're going to spoil that because I want to talk about this. Um, so spoilers for Star Wars Rebels, whatever. Um, <clears throat> we know that he keeps fighting and he eventually learns to fight for something he believes in or he gets to fight for something he believes mm-hmm. in and stuff. Um, but weirdly, when he's on that bunk looking at that uh, hollow image of him and his buddies and kind of bemoaning the, the cost of the war, mm-hmm. even knowing his future takes a turn for something more self-actualized, I felt sad. Maybe feel sad. Like, in that moment, just thinking, like, your battle is so far from over. Well, and you're you're already so rightfully weary. And, and you know, just, you have decades ahead of you. <laughs> Made me very sad. <laughs> um, what well, also makes you I retrospective think... of, like, you know, those characters, you know who makes and you know who doesn't, right? Like, Rex in Rebels is with two other clones. You know what their names mm-hmm. are. So mm-hmm. every clone that they name presumably either becomes a stormtrooper or dies. Mm-hmm. So each single person, you know, we still have no idea what happens to Cody. Yeah. And Yeah, no idea there. Uh, yeah. We're definitely not going to ha- figure it out in this show. Because Cody plays an integral part in you know, but, trying to go after Obi. Yeah, but hear me out. I have a new hot take. Hot take. Uh, I have been talking with this weird assumption, and I don't know where I got it, because now that I have looked into it, I don't think it's been verified anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had the assumption that this first arc was Bad Batch, and that the Siege of Mandalore would be the last four episodes of this season, and that some weird thing would fit in between. But now I'm starting to think that Bad Batch is the first arc, and then from here we might go into Siege of Mandalore, and then after that, some as-yet-unannounced stuff that could follow what the original blueprint for the series was and go, uh, if not if not concurrent with, then beyond Revenge of the Sith. Interesting. Like the, okay. We could maybe see the immediate aftermath, or literally I was talking to a buddy about this at work, I got goosebumps. Or Clone Wars episodes and that, that are concurrent with episode three. Like episode three unfolding from the perspectives of Rex and Ahsoka. So you 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 want a oh. um what we got with Rebels doing a fast forward for like what was it, five minutes or three minutes of all of our, our all of our favorite characters? Not that. I want the last four I think it would be cool. Or it could potentially happen that the last three or four episodes are not a fast forward, like real time, or, you know, more or less, you know, just an alternate angle on the events of episode three. Or um, the immediate aftermath of episode three. Okay. Like the days right after episode three. And that could be where the series lands, ends on. Okay. I'm curious. And in, in, and in something like that, we could perhaps get more perspective on a character like Cody. Though, I mean, Cody never, even in the past episodes, Cody has never gotten any real characterization. There's no Cody episode. 
and there's no Cody bonding with people, you know? No. It's no, Cody not really. Is, I mean, him know, and Rex are always warm yeah, it, with well, each it's, other. It's, but. You know, Cody is like Obi-Wan's dog, and Rex <laughs> is like oh, Anakin's, you know, pet, basically. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, they're uh, not... No, you're, you're very you know, right. You treat them as people. Well, some do, some don't. Mm. Right? Anakin, Ahsoka, um, treat them more as individuals. Obi-Wan certainly mm. is kind, but is not, you know, anywhere near that level. You know, we see it in episode yeah. three where, you know, Anakin tries to save some um, fighters, and then Obi-Wan's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, leave them. They, they're doing their they're job. Doing our, We're doing their ours job. Or we gotta do our job. Which does kind of go into my big thing on the Clone Wars as an event in fake history of like the clones being slaves, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never go too far into it, but they don't necessarily shy away from it. I mean, we get the sense from episodes like The Deserter that. You know, if you're a clone, you're going to war. And even this, we get clones that are, like, quote-unquote defective. Like, they, they try to make them for war, and something went wrong, and they still make them go to war. Like, they're, they're slaves. And we never totally get um, a lot of perspective on that, but I'm wondering if, you know, Rex has always, his journey has always been sort of one of self-actualization in a world where... 90% of the people he interacts with share his face. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, like, people out there know how this arc ends, by the way. Like, the animatics are out there. Or they were. Like, on Wikipedia, the synopsis is there. Um, so, I don't know. We probably won't get into that much in this arc. It is still, you know, a relatively kid show. But, yeah, it's all very, very dour. Um, I mean, in a compelling way. Uh, but I really felt... Um, for for Rex in this on a number of, of levels. And it's also curious, I got to think, you know, Rex is suffering, or I'm sure the immediate aftermath of what happens to Fives in the Lost Missions, where he figures out what Order 66 is and is killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Anakin, kind of in the immediate aftermath of Ahsoka leaving the, temp- leaving the temple. Um, we see them both in the same room, but they don't really talk. But I got, you know, you got to think, Rex and Anakin are probably in sort of relatable headspaces. I don't think they're two characters that would ever end up talking about it. But, I mean, Anakin senses something's up with Rex. Um, and i got to imagine it's maybe a sentiment that is shared with him. I mean, he is becoming disillusioned with the Jedi. Uh, I think Rex, again, his journey has always been one of um, perhaps increasing skepticism as to the masters he's serving and stuff like that. Uh, I can't help but wonder what a conversation between those two about the real issues. If those two kept, kept it 100 and Mace Windu wasn't around to judge them uh, with that stern brow of his, what they would talk about. I think I think they're in probably some similar headspace right now. Yeah, I mean, we know that Rex is going to be on Mandalore with Ahsoka in that mm-hmm. they are both witness to Order 66. And mm-hmm. throughout the show, Rex is Anakin's right-hand person, you know, part of the um, 30... Oh, my gosh. How 
five first. How am I? How do we have a podcast and I can't say the five first? Oh, I. That's insane. I mean, we pay to have it. And that's really the only answer. Yeah, people pay us to have this. Um, right. Stay on message. Stay on brand. Stay on brand. And yeah. <laughs> tough, strong, clean. We did. We we just don't know. You know it it. At least in my head, you know, before Rebels, when he storms the Jedi Temple, I assume Rex is one of those people. Oh, I don't think so. Right? Like, but you yeah, would, think, that, you would I mean, think that Rex... Well, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, not knowing what we do know. Yeah, that would be... You would assume. Yeah. Like, until you get Rebels, you know, why wouldn't Rex be with the 501st? No, yeah, I, I, yep, 100%. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, it's interesting if there will be a break or if there's like a, you know, I'm giving you Rex, my most trusted person, to do this, and I have to go off mm-hmm. to, you know, save the Chancellor. Um, well, and so we know, obviously, the Mandalore unfolds concurrent with the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, with the attack on Coruscant. That being said... By the time Order 66 happens, the stuff on Mandalore may be resolved. Um, I will say that the Ahsoka book that we mentioned goes into it a little, but I don't remember all the specifics. My understanding is that Mandalore goes into Order 66. Uh, That's my vague understanding. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So, I don't know, spoilers for whatever books those are. <laughs> um, and again, who, who knows at this point? So, they, the, the whole premise here is that they're on some planet fighting some droids, and the droids seem to be able to adeptly counteract everything Rex is throwing at them. Rex begins to suspect that they know his playbook and that they figured him out and that they, they've got to change it up. They've got to be unconventional. And so they bring in kind of a personally, I'm not going to call it problematic, but look, Bad Batch is Bad Batch. based on Pete and I, who are notoriously called The Good Batch. Um, each one of us, PA and myself, are um, buff, smart psychos that can smell electricity. Um, so we are each our own individual good they batches. Feel and kind of a, like a personal hit at some of their like special abilities because a lot of the things mm-hmm. we can also do, right? Like, right. It felt like they were like, mm, we're gonna make you four people instead of like, oh, there's two. the super we'll swollen, and I'm like, jealous. Um, okay, ouch. Yeah. So we of course have nerd, psycho, machoke, and snake Pliskin. Okay, it's bad batch. Uh, here's an alternate. Um, nerd, Psycho, Super Saiyan Gregor, and Snake Plissken. I'm sticking with Machoke, though. Uh, they are goobers. The whole lot of them. I'm sorry. They're goobers. Lovable. Lovable as heck. What a bunch of goobers. That nerd? Oh, boy. This little Rick Moranis clone. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And that Psycho with his toothpick? That guy is a psycho. Yeah. That guy has already come up with Order 66 here's the thing, here's the on thing his I really own. like about him is whenever you see a war movie, there's the people that, like, exist, and they can't exist outside of a war zone. 
And Clone Wars has never yeah. really done that all that much because, you know, they're all clones. They're not individuals. They have had one psycho. The guy was chopping up droid fingers and wearing them as a necklace. I do not remember that episode. As a clone, yeah, in season one. Um, yeah, so they haven't really gone back to that since season one. And it kind of is mm-hmm. like, that's uncomfortable, but that's like a realistic kind of thing. Is, you know, it mm-hmm. brings out the, you know, war brings out the worst in people. And yeah. also, you know, people that are unfit or can't deal with society are kind of welcome with full arms. And you have to have, you know, mm-hmm. deal with them at an arm's length. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that sentiment. It kind of goes in line with a note I had here. Um, I know I kind of weirdly ended up harping on Resistance, Star's Resistance towards the end for, I don't know, making war seem like an adventure and a proven ground for young people, which, I mean, it certainly can be. But with that show being geared towards such uh, young kids, it felt it felt like it glorified going off to war in a way that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. I gotta say... Full 180 at Clone Wars here. And Clone Wars, this this episode was not, like, beating you over the head with, oh, war is bad. And it, no, was, it, it had great action. It had really good action. Uh, and it showed that it, they spent so much money on this. Boy, Yeah, like, when, when um, they were um, skidding into certain things and they had the dust, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, flexing that muscle a little bit, Dave. Yeah, um, but all all that is to say, war even as presented in this episode never. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel as aspirational about war. It doesn't make it seem like uh, something you should aspire to. You know, which is I think what my weird problem with resistance was is at times it made it feel like being at war is something a young person should aspire to. Um, this, on the other hand, again, never beat you over the head with it one way or the other. Is not that episode. That's not what the episode is mm-hmm. about. But it did feel like dangerous and not good, and people didn't seem like happy to be there really, and like it, it felt like duty, well, and it felt. Here's what it felt like for me, and I, don't know. I think that um, the cast of the animation crew definitely saw 1917 before they developed this episode. It had it. So did you see 1917? Mm-hmm. It had the like hopelessness kind of of it at the very beginning yes and then the other comment i wanted to say about 1917 was when they storm that tower and they show it as a one shot where they like you know keep going and they show you know them taking the droids out in the front and then the back you're not just cutting to them hiding corners and then one of them does a somersault and stabs five droids (laughs) and you know one of them throws a droid prop popper which you know they did uh, at one point, but mm. still, I was I was thoroughly impressed with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The animation, the the action, it was all great. Um, it never felt gratuitous or anything to to me. Again, it it didn't feel weirdly aspirational of being at war. Duty is not the right word, but it just yeah. My big thing is it didn't make it feel like this is a state of being to which you should aspire. Um, and yeah, that that animation really ruled. Um, got a cool new slur within the clone community, calling them <laughs> yeesh, yeesh. I hesitate to even say that on the air. I'm probably gonna have to bleep it, and that was pretty heinous. Um, 
and then we we figure out that Rex suspects that Echo, who is one of his buddies from Domino Squadron, who is a group of clones that we followed throughout Clone Wars, starting with uh, season one, episode five, Rookies. Oh, where they're on the um, early communications standout. tower. Yep. Right, in the Rishi Moon outpost. Uh, and it's a, it's a group of clones whose careers we follow kind of throughout um, the series. I mean, if, you, well, yeah, if you, you're watching this episode, I assume you've seen it all. Um, and Echo was the one who, and I, I wrongfully had him completed with Fives. Fives is the one who figures out about Order 66. Mm-hmm. Echo uh, dies, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, in an explosion. But it's been a while since I've seen the episode. That's my homework for the week, because I'm going to go back. Season 4. The Citadel, which is a prison, um, a separatist prison that the Jedi Master even Peel is being held at, wow, and they launch okay. a rescue mission. That's um, a deep cut. And and uh, Echo is presumably killed there. Does and it look I, like again, it? I do believe it was some sort of explosion. And Rex thinks that the the droid's abilities to counteract his attacks feel like it is someone like Echo counteracting his attacks because him and Echo coordinated on some of the plans. Uh, and so we get this communication tower and we figure out that it might actually be Echo. Now, the signal that they find is confusing to me, Pete. I, I, I too was confused. Like, I get that they get information that says it's Echo, but like, what the signal, what, what like, they said it sounds human, but it didn't. And then they ask the signal who it is, and the signal gives Echo's number. Oh, okay. So I guess the implication is that they're, like, talking directly to Echo. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm not confused. Maybe that's the implication. Um, so I assume Echo is perhaps in some sort of bad way. But, so uh, it, maybe the implication is we are maybe meant to believe at this point that he's turned traitor i think i think he's being held yeah i'm sure he is but if he was being held you wouldn't think that the answer to who is this would be his name the answer would be oh it's me the prison guard or whoever or it's such and such a facility it's going to be something disgusting like his body's hooked up into a system yeah, is, I'm not. Yeah, is kind of the situation. I think this might get dark. I think it's gonna be a little yeah. gross like that, but that's yeah. kind of me trying to apply logic to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Or they trick them into. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so it was, I, I was, it was a little confusing, but I think I think I gleaned from what I'm supposed to. I suspect with the rest of the story unfolding, it'll make more sense um tactical battle droid showed up with the weird beak i always liked those okay i liked that this one sounded weirdly like kylo ren in star wars resistance i wonder why i'm just kidding i kid but the tactical battle droid voice seriously did sound a lot like matt wood's kylo ren voice um trench return of trench the tarantula general not my guy do not like this fella do not care about him. Well, you're not a big fan of spiders, too. coming back from the so. dead. I like spiders fine. I've caught Black Widow before. And I've been proven wrong. I'm so sorry. I caught Black Widow. I put in a thing. I kept in my garage. I tried to charge people to come see it. Nobody paid me. 
Save that for Shark Tank. Ugh. Um. Yeah, Trench. Whatever. He's back. I don't. You know. Whatever. I don't know. Well, also, I mean, the show doesn't have that many good general villains, and you know, I I don't mind them going back to Trench. Well, it has a few heavy hitters, but yeah, yeah. they can't. None that would apply here. Like, not no separatist generals I can think of off the top of my head. But I mean, honestly, just like go with a new one. Make make up a new one. Yeah, like here is. Um, Count. This one's a scorpion. Wow, my Admiral imagination S- is real bad right now. I can't think of a single thing, single one. <laughs> well, yours has always been an analytical mind, Pete. Yeah. Well, let's. I'll, I'll run a focus group, and we can see what see what we're gonna come up with. Please do. Uh, when they're huddled around the campfire, arguing with each other, and talking about Snake Plissken and why he's so interesting. Uh, I think there's a fear knock in the background. Okay, interesting. There's a creature from Star Wars Rebels. Pretty sure. So there's a small fun tidbit. Um, I guess my my big one of my big takeaways from this is such a testament to this show and to this storytelling and to the performance of these clones and stuff. At this point, this is a show that takes place. Between the third episode of a series of movies, the ninth of which we just got. Like, we are we are dealing with... This story is answering questions within questions within questions within questions that have all already been answered. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea, like... Like, we know so much of what happens. Um, and it does not matter. I do not care. Like, I am never once thinking about episode three. I'm not thinking about Rise of Skywalker. Like, I am, I'm there. I'm with Rex. That is the whole world to me when I'm watching this show. Like, it, uh, it's, it's, it's very good. It's very compelling. Really just met and exceeded my expectations. And I'm so happy and I'm so excited. I'm going to get up early before I go to work on Friday to watch the next episode, I think. Because I'm not, I can't wait till after work like I did with Mandalorian. I just, I love it. I love it. And they're shorter episodes, too. That helps. That helps. Um, There's some Star Wars podcasts where they actually record at like 5 in the morning. That's not us. (laughs) No. No. We're we're too busy at a gym at that time of day. Did you like that um, Machoke had a catchphrase? Boom! Um, he was good. He I think my twice. favorite's Hunter, probably. Yeah, Snake Plissken. Oh, no. Is that the psycho? No, that's the captain. Yeah, Snake yeah. Plissken. Yeah. 1975 Kurt Russell. Oh, um, see, I thought Yeah, he's my favorite as well, because like, the rest of them are insane. No, no, not Metal Gear Solid Snake. Not Solid Snake or whoever. No, Snake Plissken is the protagonist of Escape from New York. Um, yeah, they're cool. They're cool. Snake Plissken's my favorite, too. That's Psycho. He's a real Psycho. That nerd is a real nerd. Um, Glasses and, that, and everything. That buff rat bro. Even in his helmet! Yeah. Oh, boy. Great app. Um, I think I've, I've pretty much done i said everything i have to say i'm working on an impression of the big guy i'll get back to you next yeah, week and we'll i mean we'll do a deeper dive i mean um sometime it's very rare where our news is as jam-packed with project luminous 
But for the foreseeable future, we're going to be covering episode by episode of Clone Wars. So the next episode is um, Distant Distant Echo. Echo. Yeah, which is obviously about finding Echo. Um, Oh, my. Layers on layers. (laughs) I didn't get that (laughs) until literally Uh, right now. (laughs) Truly. Uh, it looks like they've released a clip and some screen oh, yeah. grabs. Um, if you, um, it's, of it's it, the the preview is real good. I would I would encourage you to check it out. But by by the okay. time this comes, oh yeah yeah, Poe po heads, Tano Tano heads, definitely catch it out. Check it out. Yeah yeah. So um, if you would like to get a hold of us at Poe Boys Podcast, um, is our Instagram and Twitter. Always podcast at gmail.com is our email. And have a good one. Bye!